0: hey folks thanks for tuning in so we're back at you with another interview and this time we're coming at you from nashville tennessee always great to be in this part of the country so i'm also excited because i have a real special guest with me today this is our first time meeting i love this. awesome yes we did an interview last year you can find that on the ask the expert playlist but here I'm with my guest today in person. He is a doctor of physical therapy. He's also the founder and the president of Medical Minds in Motion, and it's my pleasure to introduce Rick Bagel. I appreciate it, Carl. I'm excited to, to meet face-to-face for once. Me I know too.
1: We, we've been connected on social networks for so long now, and, and we run in so many of the same circles. and We do. You know, we, We met last year with with the the video podcast which was awesome i had a blast with it so the the fact that you know my wife cassie and i and our son keegan just moved to nashville we've been here for a month now Mm -hmm. um and i find out you're going to be here teaching a barefoot seminar in in nashville in in franklin tennessee so
0: it's awesome that we could get together dr emily's courses in a couple days here so uh we're like two miles from where i'm Mm -hmm. teaching so that's cool. No,
1: so I'm, I'm excited to get a chance to talk with you and, and, and honored that, you know, you want to have me back in the podcast. So I guess the first one wasn't too bad.
0: It was great. So. Yeah, actually, I've listened to it a few times. Awesome. <laughs> and um, in fact, I was reviewing it earlier earlier this week because on here, what were we talking about last year? I remember some of the things and then, you know, it's, that, that's a great interview. In fact, I'm going to put uh, a link to that awesome. from here to that so you can go back and refer to the first one we did. But today we have a little outline here. We have some things we want to cover, okay? And uh, one thing, we were talking about this before we started the camera. Mobility versus stability. Mm -hmm. Issues surrounding both of those areas. Mm -hmm. You were talking about some really cool stuff, and I was wondering if you could talk about that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think, you know,
1: being being a physical therapist and, and being a movement professional, you know, over my career, it's really, progressed from you know looking at one part of the body and looking here to to really looking at the entire body as a system. I mean we function in 3D. We don't function one joint at a time, one muscle at a time, one body part at a time. You know, we function, you know, a multi-systematic approach to movement. So when someone has a dysfunction that they can't do movement X, it doesn't always mean they're tight or they're restricted. Mm-hmm. So we get into the whole discussion of mobility versus stability, and we go into this fairly in depth in, in a lot of my seminars that I teach. When is a mobility issue a true mobility issue? Mm-hmm. And when is a mobility issue actually coming from a stability problem somewhere else? So the thing that, that I really drive home, and I have to credit you know, my experience in, in learning the Selective Functional Movement Assessment and and learning from someone i consider a mentor of mine who actually is based out of nashville tennessee mike boyd mike Mike is one of the creators of the sfma Um, and what i've learned from him and that foundation over the over the last you know five six seven years was true mobility issues have to be consistent they have to be you know someone has a lumbar fusion someone has a cervical fusion where they a surgeon goes in and they put some screws in a plate no matter what position you put that person in, that segment's not going to move. Right. A patient develops a true frozen shoulder, true adhesive capsulitis. Right. If they're in that frozen stage, no matter what position you put them in, they're going to have a mobility limitation. Right. But more often than not, mobility issues are actually being caused by a lack of stability somewhere else. The human body, in, in, in my opinion, and, and a, lot of everyone, a, lot of my, a lot of people agree with this, is if you can't move somewhere, it's gonna take it from somewhere else. Mm-hmm. And I think it's one of our biggest strengths, but also one of our biggest weaknesses. Because at some point, the body's gonna say, hey, idiot, something's wrong here, take care of it." And if you just go and you start stretching someone who has tight hamstrings because they can't touch their toes, how do you know they have tight hamstrings? You know, so, so you look at it from three different aspects. You look at unilateral versus bilateral, you look at loaded versus unloaded, and then you look at active versus passive. Right. If you have dysfunction in all of those areas, you can now start to say it's most likely a mobility issue. Mm-hmm. Now I'm just scratching the surface, but let's say someone can't touch their toes in standing. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, I feel the, the tightness and the pulling back of my hamstrings. Okay, great, but let's take, at, take a look at it a little bit further. That's loaded. So we get into the, onto the ground in the unloaded position, where they sit in the ground and they all of a sudden, now they can reach forward and touch their toes. Mm-hmm. You don't have tight hamstrings. Right, right, that's interesting. If you have tight hamstrings, you are gonna have tight hamstrings in every position you put it. Mm. So then you would look at an active straight leg raise and a passive straight leg raise and you know compare their movement to what's normal. A normal active straight leg raise is roughly 70 degrees. A normal passive straight leg raise is roughly 80. So by looking at Loaded, unloaded, unilateral, bilateral, and active versus passive. It gives you more information. And if it's inconsistent, now you have to go find, okay, why are they compensating? For me, I can't touch my toes and say, I'll be the first to admit. Ditto. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's that from <laughs> boom on that one. Yeah. Totally. But if I go into a long sitting position, I can lean forward easily and almost grab the under surface of my feet. Oh, wow. I've got a pelvic stability issue. A lot of people in the general public have a pelvic stability issue. Mm-hmm. Hamstrings attach to the ischial tuberosity. So their hamstrings being a big player, with a lack of pelvic stability, a lot of times those things will kick in and say, all right, I've got to do more work. Some sort of stability issue isn't isn't there, so I'm going to fire more. So in standing for me, my hamstrings are giving me some posterior stability to my pelvic girdle. I go into a long sitting position, the ground is now debilizing my pelvis. Mm-hmm. So the hamstrings can relax and say, Thank you. Mm-hmm. I don't have to do that work anymore, and you can lean forward. So, well, well, that's just a very you know basic example, and and kind of just scratching the surface. You know, the point is, you've got to look at more than one position to really know: is your client, patient, yourself? Are you moving correctly? Right. Or are you compensating because of something else? Do you really have a mobility limitation, or is it the body compensating? So just because someone can't move doesn't mean they're tight and and I always use air quotes when I talk about tightness because tightness is a neurologic response Mm -hmm. you know yes someone has a knee surgery or shoulder surgery maybe they develop some adaptive shortening of the tissue because they've been in a sling or a brace for six eight whatever how many weeks but most tightness is a guarding response it's a neurologic response the body's creating stability somewhere else so I love
0: that that's really interesting
1: and that can, That's good stuff, man. No, I appreciate that. And that could be, I don't care if you're a medical professional or if you're a, a movement professional or if you're, you know, whether it's a strength coach or a trainer or, or whatnot, you know, we're not talking about pain right now. We're talking about movement dysfunction. Obviously, when you get into talking about pain, that's when you, you know, go into the medical professional side of things. But we all work with movement. And if you can't move somewhere, you've got to figure out why they can't move in that way.
0: In order to properly progress it. That's great. So we have a lot of trainers who watch this uh, this podcast series. <coughs> I know part of uh, the classes when I'm doing my short intro about myself, and I'm mm-hmm. teaching the barefoot classes. Uh, I, I I share with them that when I first got into training, it was like we were talking before we started the camera. I just was thinking, you know, people don't want to tone up, bulk up, whatever, lose weight, burn fat, and I very quickly realized that although that may be their their goal they're not going to be doing it effectively they may not do it at all if they're not moving well you cannot train well if you're not moving well which of course led me this whole uh, exciting journey of now teaching about movement mm. but speaking of movement that's a segue going into um, movement issues mm. and what I want to ask you is what do you see as like one of the most common movement or, let's say, mobility dysfunctions? Mm-hmm. What do you see? I think that's a great question.
1: Um, nice segue too, by the way. Um, it goes so many different directions, and we can take that in so many different directions. You know, some of, and, and I have gotta credit Dr. Perry for, you know, for, for this kind of, this next talking about, like, the big five mobility dysfunction areas. Upper cervical spine, the thoracic spine, hip, Especially looking at hip internal rotation, hip extension, mm-hmm. um, ankle dorsiflexion. And then, like you and I were talking about before we started, you know, again, taking this from Perry, great toe mojo. Yeah. I, I got to throw that out for him. But the, yeah. the big toe is so important. If you can't push off, you can't move. You know, gait changes everything. But for me, I start with every single patient that I see. And, and listen, I'm not a proponent of cookbook therapy, cookbook rehab. I treat every person I see differently and specifically for what they need. Mm -hmm. But I look at one body part for every single person. You come in and see me because you've got plantar fasciitis issue, I'm gonna go look at your Mm T-spine. You come in because you have a shoulder problem, I'm gonna look at your Mm T-spine. Our general population, sit at a computer like this all day long. True. And and what am I doing? I'm sitting in a thoracic flexed position. Mm -hmm. The thoracic spine to me, Really is the foundation of, of where movement starts. You know, it's, it's part of the core. It's that central piece Everything kind of builds off of it. And unfortunately a majority of our population Has a lack of T-spine extension and a lack of T-spine rotation and and really Rotation or the transverse plane is where power comes from Totally, but when looking at rotation the transverse plane, especially the, the thoracic spine It's one thing to create the movement you also need to be able to control it Mm -hmm. you know like when i'm when i'm teaching my seminars i always talk you know all right i'm going to take a walk down the middle of the hallway is rotation happening absolutely when you're walking rotation happening but you're controlling rotation preventing excessive momentum at the same time that you're creating rotation right but really you know going back to to your question of of mobility dysfunctions the t-spine is a major major foundation simply because, again, that lack of extension and lack of rotation. And if you can't extend and if you can't rotate the T-spine, you're not going to have proper scapular mobility. You're not going to be able to have proper force generation to the shoulder. Think about just breathing from a standpoint for a second. Now, my philosophy is if you know, you've know you been breathing for X number of years a certain way and you've developed that motor pattern, am I going to try in a four-week therapy session to change the way you breathe? No. I'm not. But I want to see can you at least isolate out your diaphragm? Can you at least generate different breathing strategies? But I can't ask someone to show me a good method of using their diaphragm to breathe a good belly breath good belly breath if they can't move their T-spine. Because the diaphragm is a freak. Right. It attaches to over half your thoracic segments. You've got attachments to two or three lumbar segments. You know, there, there's a lot of research and a lot of different, you know, you know, you know, people that believe that a piece of the central tendon comes down and, and intertwines with the hip flexor. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's just that's just a freak right there. So if you can't move your T spine, you can't breathe properly. Mm-hmm. Now, a good friend of mine, Rich Severin, who is a, a is a physical therapist. He's a, a cardiovascular, cardiopulmonary physical therapist, physical therapy specialist and you know he and i you know did a, did a podcast about a year and a half you know, or a year year and a half ago where we talked about you know looking at the ability to breathe tidal volume and just overall ventilatory capacity and how it relates to t spine mobility mm-hmm. and there there's tons of research that shows if you don't have t spine mobility you're going to have decreased ventilatory capacity so you increase t spine mobility you're going to help someone be able to breathe better which is kind of important. Breathing is kind, of, yeah. breathing's well, kind of critical. A little bit important, yeah. But now taking a step further, T-spine mobility, you know, we, we look at sling systems, look at, at fascial planes, you know, something I see very, very commonly, you know, not 100% of the time this has happened, but very frequently, I'll get in, I'll be doing some resistive isometrics, manual muscle tests, and I'll see someone's got a weak hip abduction test. You know, their, their glutes aren't firing properly. And it doesn't necessarily mean that they're weak. I'm gonna go up and take a look at their T-spine and and start to address T-spine mobility issues. Because if you look at that that fascial posterior sling system, you know, right shoulder, lats, posterior shoulder, that comes across, those lats start to intertwine with the thoracolumbar fascia, thoracolumbar fascia crosses over to that left side and intertwines with the glute fibers. So a lot of
0: times someone
1: can't fire their glutes properly because they're not getting proper force translation. So you simply go in and you improve T spine mobility, you know, whether it's doing some simple just, you know, kind of self-mobilizations on a foam roller, doing, you know, active drills, doing active assisted drills, kind of focusing in different planes. Now all of a sudden it allows force to translate better across that sling system and sometimes it seems like magic, but it's not. You go back and you retest that hip abduction and now they can they can hold you. They can resist you. You didn't do any glute strengthening exercises. Right. You just improved mobility so you've got better force translation. Yeah, interesting. And it's, it starts with the T-spine. Now, does it work? Is that where everyone needs to start? Not everyone. Because you've got plenty of people who have good T-spine mobility. Mm-hmm. But I need to at least rule that out as a problem mm-hmm. or rule it in as a problem and then build from there.
0: Interesting. That just made me rethink a couple of assessments that I do. I'm gonna work on that. Nice. Yeah. So I have, you know, I do notice that with some of the people, um, you know that one, I think it's called like (coughs) open book, closed book. Yeah. Okay. So, I mean, some, some of these people could just go all the way back and they can just lay right down, Mm -hmm. both shoulder blades on the floor. You know, while that knee is still on the floor on the other side, Mm -hmm. then there are people like me (laughs) who get to about one o'clock. Yep. (laughs) And I'm done the movement is over although now I'm at about maybe two o'clock so it's it's increasing but I'm gonna have to play with this and see um because that just that just gave me like this idea of some issues with a couple clients I have that might be coming from other areas now nice because the thoracic seems to be fine the mobility is totally fine thank you you're welcome all right. yeah making <laughs> you, you work hard that's why i love this you know i'm self indulgently i get to learn from experts right but i get to share it with all of you so it's really cool that's I how i started doing a this environment so environment I'm, situation i'm totally going off on this my whole reason for starting a podcast series was because i selfishly just wanted to learn everything i could so I there's Brooke nothing Bush, wrong with that and i figured well i want to hang out with these gurus but they don't know me from a bag of beans right except i knew brent brookbush mm-hmm. so i Dude, will you be like a guest for my first episode? Yeah. And then one led to another. And now I I get to hang out with you and I met Dr. Perry Mm -hmm. and Dr. Emily and all these people. So it's been really cool because it is definitely self-indulgent on my end. But you all get to benefit too. So There's nothing wrong with that at all. I love this. And and just having these
1: conversations, it, it makes
0: me think too. And I love doing these things because...
1: You know, you get talking and yeah, you get to share your philosophy with, with, with your followers and whatnot, but I find whatever I teach, it gets me better the next time I see a patient that has That's these totally issues. Tough. So talking about it just now it makes me think a little bit, hey, I can
0: look at it this way or look at it that way. So I think are one of those things that just helps everyone involved. It really is cool. You know, because if I was to ask people just to hang out with me and talk to me and teach me stuff uh, without mm-hmm. something like a podcast, know, who's going to do that? <laughs> right? But if I ask them to be a guest, then they say yes. Absolutely. So it's really cool because then they, are, they also know the sharing too. Mm-hmm. And actually when it comes to teaching, what I really enjoy about the classes that I do um, for EBFA is... I get you know we get physical therapists, therapists, we get trainers. I get all these people with all these different backgrounds. So I have something very specific and unique to teach them, right? But I get to learn from all of them too. So we have, Absolutely. as you know, you do this all the time, teaching, and that interaction gets me thinking. So it's like uh, just endless mm-hmm. learning always. And, and you just said something that is, is very important to
1: me, and and I'm gonna. Take like thirty seconds, you know, go ahead, go ahead. and I go off on my many soapboxes. You know, our professions. Well, I'm on the medical side. You're on the non-medical side. Mm-hmm. Medical professionals come to my seminar. Non-medical professionals come. Same thing for you. Our professions need to find a way to work together more. It doesn't have to be a, a headbutt. Yeah. You know, it's like there's there's a lot of you know animosity between the two fields of physical therapy and chiropractic care we should be working together Now, I am not a strength and conditioning expert. So, you know, being able to work with you and learn from you and learn from others. I am not a chiropractor being able to work with chiropractors and
0: learn from them.
1: We can all help each other. And unfortunately there are a lot of people out there that don't like to cross those lines and they're missing out on such a huge opportunity to learn and make themselves better because we're all in it for the same reason is to help people. I know it sounds cliche and whatnot, but really, we're trying to make people's lives better. So I love that, that you guys have different professionals that, that come to the you know EDFA seminars because that's how we're all gonna make each other better and I think yeah. it's again win win
0: situation. I like I, I like that they come to those classes too. Um you know, I was just listening to a Thomas Myers podcast, again, <laughs> same one for about the tenth time because it's nothing wrong with so it. loaded with information. Um, now, I gotta, I gotta interrupt
1: you for a second. I, I love Tom Myers, not only for his anatomy train stuff, but he's a fellow Mainer,
0: like myself. So, mm, mm. And oh, he, that's right, he's Exactly, got Exactly, gotta throw out that prop for me. Really I got really yeah. Right Maine, beautiful state. Um, so in this podcast, he's talking about the human movement, uh, let's see, the kinesthetic movement tree. Mm-hmm. And he talks about how you know we're where we're at right now with all these different modalities, medical, non-medical, whatever. But he, his vision is that hopefully in 40, 50 years, we all do actually come together more so as one mm-hmm. and realize that. Well, it's like by default we start working together. You know, yeah. like you were just saying. I know that's the vision that he has that he'd like to see happen, and of course you would, and I would too. Absolutely. I just get, you know, my own soapbox. I get really hung up on the people out there who just, you know, don't want to learn about all this stuff. It's like, you know, if we just talk about the sub tailor joint alone, do you realize that if it's messed up, you're going to have some issues? Mm-hmm. Big toe. I mean, just yeah. one little thing can totally mess things up, set you up for injury and problems, and, you know, so it's. I could go off on that for a long time. Oh, absolutely. But but
1: it's important to know these things. Something I've learned is, you know, in in teaching seminars for a while now and and kind of, you know, being out there on social networks and putting stuff out there, you can't make everyone happy. Um, (laughs) You you, want to try to and you want to put your information out there, but the more you can expose to people, if if you've got 50 people, if you shift that paradigm for one person, I consider that a success. Yeah, that's and true. And it just, yeah. it just builds and it grows and grows yeah. from there, so I, it's a battle I think we're not going to see in before we retire, but um,
0: it's a good battle to fight. It is, it is. So anything more you want to talk about regarding the T-Spine? Yeah, I could go for
1: hours <laughs> and an hours on the T-Spine. That could be part two.
0: That, that, could, that right. could be part two. I think so we're set up the, our next interview right now. We're going to do part two of
1: the T-spine soon works for me. <laughs> I just, I think the, the biggest thing people need to look at is just make sure the person can do the movement before you start putting a load on them. Make sure if it is a mobility issue, have them work on mobility. If it's not a mobility issue, okay, then start to do some, some correctives and some, you know, some stability type work, but if you put load, so if all of a sudden. You know, I start doing, you know, you know, and I don't, let's say I don't have enough T-spine extension, I start doing back squats, or I start doing, you know, overhead presses with load. I'm now training the body to lock in that mobility issue. And it's gonna take that much more to fix the mobility issue. So, you nailed it on the head when we started. You know, move better first, and then start to put load on that newfound movement. So I, I think that, to me, that's a big take home point look at it from multiple planes multiple angles never make an assumption you know what happens when you make an assumption it makes an ass out of you and me um so (laughs) uh, yeah it's just one of those things i'm already
0: thinking a million directions but yeah yeah just
1: look at multiple planes multiple directions and then start to put the entire puzzle together and get back to basics
0: yeah, I like how you refer to life happening in 3D, because it does. I mean, that's something yeah. um, one of the master instructors with NASM, who, um, Ken Miller, from California, San Francisco, do mm-hmm. you know Ken? I don't, I don't know, but I don't know all of him. He actually teaches this uh, this workshop. He, well, he taught last year in Phoenix when we were out there for the Optimal Conference. Just talking about life happening in 3D, you know? Yeah. And it's really important to keep that in mind. Another thing, a lot of the trainers aren't really... Uh, Maybe aware of. And that's not, not the best of the trainer. It's not a judgment. It's like, you know, when I got into it, I didn't know what 3D was when mm-hmm. I first started training. So it's, it's an evolution. And that's why we bring people like Rick to you so you can learn. And if you want to go more into 3D, when you can finally get Adam
1: Wolf on a podcast, Oh yeah, yeah. Adam will go off the
0: rocker on 3D movement. So, All right. yeah. Yeah. I'm going to find him. Yes. Track him down. Absolutely. Okay, so, yeah. we're going to talk about CrossFit. Let's talk about CrossFit. Absolutely. CrossFit, um, I'll just come right out and just say, it. I say this anytime in any interview that we talk about CrossFit, including, including an interview I did with uh, Dr. Jeff Vargas mm-hmm. and Sato Spengian, Awesome people. Uh, Sato owns a CrossFit box in somewhere in New Jersey, mm-hmm. and um, I even said to him, I said, CrossFit is a bad rap injuries and this and that you we were talking a little bit off camera how you've treated some people who've gone to crossfit they've been mm-hmm. injured and all that however it can be a good thing and i was hoping you could share about yeah. your experience with it because i know you're going to a place right now that you really like yeah and what what makes a good crossfit box i mean i kind of know but i want you to share it with them yeah no i think it's an awesome
1: question i've and i'll, I'll kind of start with anything in moderation can be a good thing mm-hmm anything in excess can be a bad thing so anything in moderation i think right off the bat i I agree with you i think crossfit has gotten a bad rap in a lot in a lot of areas but what crossfit has done for starters has gotten millions of people off their ass moving that's true and right then and there i think that's fantastic i think that's absolutely fantastic but, like anything else, there are great physical therapists and there are crap physical therapists. There are great trainers there are bad trainers. There are great lawyers and there are bad lawyers. I don't care what profession you're talking about. There are great CrossFit boxes and there are going to be not so great CrossFit boxes. And I think it's those few bad apples that make it difficult for everyone. Um, so, you know, like we were talking beforehand, I've treated so many CrossFit athletes. I've consulted with, with CrossFit boxes. Um, but I had never actually embarked on the CrossFit journey myself, mm-hmm. and you know I, I just I've come to the realization that you know I've not been where I want to be health wise, fitness wise, and have just made that decision to to make that shift and, and really put my money where my mouth is. Mm-hmm. And I've you know recently started embarking on the CrossFit journey myself, and you know the the, the box that I go to here in Nashville, Whole Strength CrossFit. Um, you know the owners Ryan and Michelle Stemper, absolutely fantastic. The, the first day we, you know, Cassie and I walked in, they're FMS certified. They put their new athletes through an FMS screen. Nice. I mean, they start nice. with the basics first and foremost, and I think that's what makes a good CrossFit box. Is they don't just say do as much crap as you can and just load it, load it, load it. They say this is where you are good. This is where we need to work. And we're going to work on what your deficiencies are first. You know, if you can't do a squat correctly, you're not going to load it. We're going to work on patterning. We're going to work on mobility. We start every session with mobility work. It's not just jump in and do a bunch of burpees or, you know, you know do a bunch of thrusters with tons of weight. It's let's get back to basics first. And let's start from the ground level of where you're successful and then work your way up. You know it's, it's kind of like something that, that gray cook says very frequently you know make an exercise challenging but not difficult mm-hmm. find where someone is successful find where they fail and train them before the point of failure mm-hmm. so they start to groove that good pattern mm-hmm. and then move from there so i, I think what makes it what makes a good box is people that have a knowledge of movement and they understand the limitations are going to vary from person to person to person and making it a little bit more individualized and, and these guys i mean we're lucky we stumbled across it it's just a couple miles from our house so it was we originally great. went there because it was close and you know we've developed a good friendship with with ryan and michelle and, and like i said they do it the right way because they care about the individual that's coming in so mm-hmm. i think crossfit has a, a has a great Continued potential to be an, an excellent modality for people to get healthy and get moving and it's a lot. It's a community It's a lot of you know movements that are natural to people. I mean, I love deadlifting not gonna lie. I love deadlifting and it helps me because then I got to pick up a 19 month old off the ground <laughs> um, Yeah, right exactly. Translates so to daily function, right? It, exactly. So I think the, the places that take that understand how it relates to daily function it really what makes a good a good box, and we've had an awesome experience so far. Um, and I think you're starting to see more and more and more of of boxes like that. So, like anything else, when something's yeah. new, you're gonna get a lot of good, and you're gonna get a lot of bad. Yeah. But it it just it's that upward trend that I'm seeing. So it's been it's been awesome so far. I'm I'm having fun. I'm hitting goals that I haven't hit in a long time. I mean. You know, just literally, you know, last night I, I just I know it's not gonna sound like much to a lot of people. Um, you know, it just I did, you know, three reps of a back squat at 175 pounds. Um uh, I haven't been at that in such a long time. It's not where the max is gonna be, but yeah, it's it, great. It's, it's it's a start.
0: It's 175 pounds more than I'm doing.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so it's just, it's it's giving me goals and it's giving me stuff to shoot for and
0: and really kind of making things come over the full circle for me, so it's been awesome. Yeah, that's really cool. So having just to clarify on that, I want to make sure um just to clarify, I know with uh Salos Benjamin, who's an awesome an awesome guy and uh, coach, and Jeff Ardiz, mm-hmm. right? So the two of them we, we know we have people who know their stuff. There, you know about movement. They you know mm. not to load if you're not supposed to load if you can't move right, right? So, um, so if you just sum it up in just a sentence or two, you find a good CrossFit box that includes coaches who mm. basically understand movement,
1: right? Yeah, I, I think the way to sum it up is the the good the good boxes out there they understand movement and they understand that people, every single person who walks in there that's new mm-hmm. is gonna have to start at a different point. Yeah, good. You, good. you and I good. walk into a CrossFit box together. Mm-hmm. There are gonna be things that you can do much better than I can, and there are gonna be things that I can do much better than you. Yeah. And they need to understand that they're gonna have to train you a little bit differently than train me. And I think, it, it, just take the squat, for example. Um, a, a great article was just put out, great um, great blog by um, um, Brett, uh, Brett Contreras, the big guy. It was the newest one, right? Yeah, yeah one of those one one newest, newest yeah. ones. He's done it a few times and it's, and it's been out there, but it's how femur length affects squat mechanics. I saw that one. You and I are yeah. going to squat differently. I'm short. You're taller than me. Yeah. My wife, Cassie, she's much taller than me. I'm going to squat differently than she's going to squat because of our body type. So I think the the CrossFit box understands different body types, Mm -hmm. different people are going to move a little bit differently. There's nothing wrong with them moving differently, but it's getting back to the basics of what human movement should look like, making it challenging and not difficult, and making sure the quality is there before you put
0: the quantity. Awesome. Yeah. I like that. That's that's a good summary of it all um so let's move into i want to talk about your company medical minds in motion cool it's what three years now right yeah just about just about three years now
1: that we've been putting out uh seminars for pts ots athletic trainers chiropractors you know most of our seminars are in towards the, the medical side of things we do have some that you know that incorporate you know some some movement stuff that that are appropriate for trainers and whatnot but our goal really is to try to shift the paradigm of, of continuing
0: again for you know for the medical world. That's great, and I know you have a an impressive list of instructors, at Adam Wolf. A lot of great people on your on your roster. And so, what's new with Medical Minds in Motion? Besides you moved to Nashville oh, now, exactly. you're here exactly, and uh, you have some stuff going on. We you, you were talking about fascia. Yeah. And you can talk about whatever you want, but I want to make sure we hit the fascia because I think you've got some stuff going on there you'll be teaching,
1: right? Yeah, you know, well, well, first of all, from from a fascial system, Adam Wolff has a course that's, that is through us called Fascial Highway Systems. Oh. And it's all about 3D movement. Mm. Um, okay. and, it, and it's all about really how you've got dysfunction here, you might have dysfunction here as well too, because the, the body, you know, while muscle may in, be independent of each other, mm-hmm. It, they're also dependent because of the fascial connections I mean, exactly. you, you know you've got lines of fascial tissue is, is you know and obviously they're going to go from the sole of the foot up the entire posterior your chain and end up on, on the forehead mm-hmm. you know so you know being able to look at and, and not pigeonholing yourself into one body part or one thing because we've got to look at the entire system so that that's one course that that's a two-day seminar um, Adam's gonna be in, in Chicago in his home area in, mm-hmm. in May teaching that course. Uh, June, he's gonna be down in Austin, Texas. Uh, July, he's gonna be in Atlanta teaching that course. You know, getting into the end of the year, you know, not end of the year, but you know, kinda of later in summer and <coughs> fall, he'll be in the northeast and, and whatnot. But you know, that's that's our big fashion course. Mm-hmm. And and he takes a movement based approach and, and he's just he's crazy. And I and he knows I'm gonna say this, he's nuts. <laughs> but I mean that in a good way. Yeah, the way his brain works cool. is just absolutely fantastic um but really the, the new things that we're working on right now is um we've developed a series of seminars on instrument assisted soft tissue mobilization so iastm you know everyone you know the, the big names of people here that are out there you know graston and a you know they they have their tools they're fantastic tools they have their own seminars they're fantastic seminars um you know, they they teach their methods. What we've developed really is a best practice approach to instrument-assisted soft tissue mobilization. It's not specific to one set of tools or one specific tool. While you know, my preference of tools are you know, the Edge Tool, which was created by Urson Riljioso, and as well the Smart Toolkit, um, Smart Tools Plus, uh, created by Nick Colosi, who's a chiropractor out of the Cleveland area. I think from a from a one tool standpoint, my preference is. The edge tool—it's it, kind of like the Swiss Army knife tools. Uh-huh. It can do everything uh-huh. with one tool, and then the smart tool kit is like the Rolls Royce of tools, but very, very cost-effective on, on on one standpoint. Just a high-quality group of five tools that you know you can get any body part, any person, uh-huh. you know, treated. Cool. So, you know, our we're developing that best practice approach—not specific to a tool. You can use the blunt end of a butter knife if you wanted to. Uh-huh. You could use. You know, the back end of a reflex hammer if someone wanted to. Um, but we've taken an approach of you've got a mobility dysfunction, we're going to target the soft tissue and the nervous system with the tool work. We're going to use it to help correct soft tissue mobility dysfunction. Then now we're going to do a corrective exercise approach and start to get the person moving and get them into a loaded position with that newfound movement and then finish it off with a standpoint of kinesiology taping. Utilizing rock tape um, to tape across fascial lines to give proprioception to help them start to be more aware of that new movement pattern being developed. So it's taken a combination of, of tool work, movement, and then as well tape. So that's, that's been really exciting. That's been a lot of fun. And one thing I do want to say, and I've, I've, had a, I've done a couple blogs recently on the Medical Minds in Motion blog about instrument assisted soft tissue mobilization, and I want to say this right now. You are not actively trying to bruise someone when you use the tools. Okay. That is a huge misconception. Um, there's, there's no company out there that teaches bruising that I know of. Mm-hmm. Graston does not teach bruising. Okay. You understand that, you know what, you might get a little bit of bruising as a response but less is more. But
0: that's not the goal. That is
1: not the goal. Yeah. You know, you're looking for that erythemic response. You're looking for that nice redness. You know, a lot of the research behind instrument-assisted soft tissue mobilization is helping in that early acute phase of generating a good inflammatory response, generating the release of an enzyme um, that is supposedly meant to break up on the one and collagen fibers. There's still, there's still a debate as to whether that, that actually happens, right. but a big aspect of it is the nervous system. The skin is an extension of the brain. And if now you start to rake so hard, mm-hmm. the person's not going to be relaxed. They're going to guard. That's going to be a perceived threat. You know, it's kind of like you go to you know, I'm just as guilty as the next person. Go get a massage and tell the person, yeah, just dig as hard as you can. If like, someone's like digging as hard as they Some of the rafters go in. Yeah, yeah and nothing, nothing wrong with that. But, you know, my opinion is if you start digging on someone as hard as you can, they're guarding; it. They're, they can't be relaxed. Exactly. The, yeah. The brain is perceiving that as a threat, so we take an approach of less is more
0: with the tool work, mm-hmm. and use it as a combination to the rest of our treatments. Yeah. So I mean, just going way back to the basic NASL, CPS <coughs> uh, corrective exercise. I mean, that's that was what Brent teaches in the workshops. I mean. Your body wants to guard itself against pain yeah right? So you don't want to be contracting the muscle that you're trying to actually release mm-hmm. fascia on especially so let me ask you this uh another the same interview with tom Myers i was listening to uh for the 10th time again I, I, I tend to listen to these things when i run because it takes pain out of my run. <laughs> i like that <laughs> actually it's really good i i love running but i had the worst run of the year the other day and i just got so mad i went like some, an extra two miles because mm-hmm. so i was It can't be this hard. So I just put on more podcasts. Nice. Okay, so that was a tangent. But anyways, speaking of fascia release instrument-assisted fascial release, so do you have the intention of moving fluid around too? Because, like, Myers is talking about how... There's fluid and fascia, we mm-hmm. can get some of that fluid out and then mm-hmm. the fluid moves in. Is that anything you're thinking about when you're doing this?
1: Um, you know, yes and no. I think there's a, there's a lot of, I'll be honest, there's a lot of controversy out there in, in the world of instrument soft tissue mobilization. of what, it, what can it really do? What doesn't it do? And I think it, that gets into a much longer discussion of, okay, we know manual therapy works. We know that, manual therapy works. Instrument-assisted soft tissue mobilization is a manual therapy technique, mm-hmm. but do we really truly know why it works? It's so hard to really understand why it works. Um, so yeah, when you're generating that erythemic response, you're generating a bit of kind of increase in temperature. That's going to obviously cause some some vasodilation, which is going to help with fluid exchange. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it is there. There is some fluid exchange happening, but I think it's also very important to know that. You know, there's there's research out there that shows, and I forget the exact number, but something along the lines of like 2,000 newtons of force required to actually physically, directly stretch fascia. Really? So if you were directly doing that, yeah, that'd be pretty aggressive. So the, the, the fascial release techniques really come from an indirect standpoint, you know, from a nervous system response, from, you know, addressing everything else around it that allows to have better force translation, that allows it to have better mobility. Now it, it does happen, but it's a little bit more of a, a secondary response. Um, but so yeah, you're, you're getting some fluid exchange. Mm-hmm. How much, I don't think we really know. I think we know more from a, a manual therapy standpoint of, of soft tissue work of what's coming from the nervous system. And again, that decreased guarding, that decreased threat. So you shut the brain down a little bit from a threatening standpoint, it's going to allow everything to start to open up
0: and, and, you know, quote unquote release itself. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Yeah. I was just curious about that. I didn't plan on asking you that much, but it got me thinking about what I listened to with fluid and then, mm -hmm. you know, elasticity and um, the ability to tension it, but also to have elasticity in the fascia. Absolutely. Um, I think think one of the, one of the things to just kind of, you know,
1: to mention about, you know, IASDM is like, like anything else, you find any research on it, the last line of their piece of research on it's gonna say more research needs to be done and blah 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 blah. It's a relatively new technique. It mm-hmm. yes, the original versions of were based off of Chinese Washa, but it was really in the nineties when the modern version of IASTM came out that was, was really based off of Siri X's you know, you know, model of, of causing friction. And it's it's transitioned over the last five, ten years to you know you're not gonna you know you're not gonna scrape really really hard. You can do less and you know and still get the kind of results that you want. So I think the research is getting there, but it's not where it needs to be yet. It's like it's like anything else
0: that we do. So with the IASTM, is this something you're going to be teaching courses on? Yeah. Okay. So yeah. Just to, so they know. too, I have a link on the screen. But Medical Minds in Motion is the name of the company. We'll put a link to your website there and your courses are listed there all the events and all that.
1: Yeah, courses are listed there. We have a couple versions of the course. We've got a one-day version, which is the one day is just tool work. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we tried to do all of it in one day or it was way too much. So the one day is just Fundamentals of Instrument assisted Soft Tissue Mobilization. The two-day course is where we get into ISTM movement, taping and really just get basically get in and, and play around and have a lot. Um, so I've got a couple instructors that work with me. Uh, Brad Papson is based out of Pennsylvania. Dave Doyle, who's, who's based out of Connecticut. Um, John Saylor is a new instructor of ours. He's a good friend of mine that I met out in North Idaho. He'll be doing some of the West Coast stuff. Um, we've, we've, got our, we've got our schedule up all the way through May. We're working on finishing up our June-July schedule. But you know, I'm going to be teaching in, in Vegas at the beginning of April. Um, I'll be teaching the course in May. I'll be in White Plains. Um, I think that's the weekend of the 14th and 15th, the following weekend, the 21st and 22nd, I'll be in the Boston area, okay. um, you know, and then I, we'll be doing, I'll be down in Florida in, in July and I'll be in Southern California, I think also in June. So tons of locations, but like you said, if you go to our website, you okay. can find it. Um, you know, people can also email me, you know, you know, you can put my email up as a link. It's just Rick at medicalmindsinmotion.com. Yeah. Super easy for people to get in touch with me. You know, if they're in an area and instrument work is, is in their in their scope and they're interested in it, you know, they can email me and say, hey, you've got you got a seminar coming this way anytime soon. Um, we're always looking for host facilities too. So if any anyone out there wants to host a seminar, on board with that. Um, but everything off our website. Cool, all right, yeah. that's great, that's great. We've also got the, the Medical Minds in Motion blog, which is- Oh, a that's a great blog, blog. by the way. Oh thanks, yeah. I appreciate yeah. that. Yeah. Um, we use WordPress, um, yeah, I'll give you all the stuff so you can, you can put it up, but um, a lot of social networking on blogs, website.
0: Yeah, you know, and, I, and I'm not in the medical side of this, although there are times that I really feel like I need to go to school and get into the mm-hmm. medical side because I wanna, I wanna crash these courses, come in, do it, learn that stuff, be able to use it. Mm-hmm. Um, can't say if that's going to happen or not right now i'm digging what i'm doing but just learning this stuff and having the uh, getting some of the knowledge Mm -hmm. is so it helps me with what i already do you know yeah and we have had some trainers that have come
1: into some of our courses and if someone wants to take one of our courses that maybe a portion of the course or part of it isn't necessarily in their scope i think it's still good for them to kind of be able to observe now if, if someone comes in and is not certified in any soft tissue, you know, technique, yeah. You know, I'm they're not gonna be able to, to grab the tools and start raking at someone. Sure. You know, but being there and well, learning and seeing and observing, we've had plenty of people. And then when you get it when we get into the, the correctives and, and, and whatnot, the movement-based stuff, as long as they're not using it for treating pain, mm-hmm. then it's appropriate. So we, we try to make our stuff appropriate for as many people as possible, but understand where that line of scope.
0: So I might be in White Plains in mid-May. Hey, you are more than, you are more than welcome <laughs> I than love me. I'd love to hear some of that. I would really love that. Oh, this is cool, man. This has been awesome. This was this, this, this fun. Thank you. I really appreciate it. This, 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 this was definitely fun. fun. Absolutely. Great to meet in person. Great exactly. to talk. And my brain, every time we talk, it's like... I just got all this stuff to think about now, which I'm sure you do too. So, links are on the screen throughout the video. We'll have that up there. Medical Minds in Motion yeah right? okay and um thank you so much oh, awesome i agree, no, appreciate it to get to it's been a lot yeah. of fun and like you said it's great to meet face to face and oh it is not these yeah. social networking friends anymore <laughs> real friends exactly absolutely yeah the, uh, the, the uh, we have another interview i'll have that on the screen too from uh, online thing we did last year mm-hmm. but in person you have know, the whole energy thing too like mm-hmm. rick has awesome energy and, and I, I feed off the of energy. And you do too, so that's great. I totally feed off of that, so it's really awesome. So I hope you enjoyed it. I know I had a blast, and I've got some, I'm going to watch this now yes. <laughs> over and over so I can learn more stuff. But thanks again. Awesome. All right? Oh, thank you. Thanks so much for watching. We'll be back at you more with, uh, soon with more interviews. Have a great day.